Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from Southern California. Hi, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it is a nice, toasty 90 degrees. <laughs> and I'm Seth Rodney, Ph.D., I am a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I am one of those two. Bitch. I saw I one. A, <laughs> I am a senior editor at the Hyperallergic Blog, and I just recently published my book, "The Personalization of the Museum Visit Through Routledge Press." Congratulations! I don't have one of those, and I'm no, coming nice. at you from the South Bronx. Uh, mm -hmm. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time uh, to figure out things out loud and together. So I wanted to start off, well, before we get into the topic, I, I had a conversation with a, a, a friend um, last night. We're not very close. I, I like him a lot. But, you know, he has a circle of friends. I have my circle of friends. And, but mm -hmm. we met in graduate school. He's finishing his Ph.D. in philosophy and religion. You know, great guy. One of those sort of like, you know, if there were more people like that in the world, we'd probably be in a better spot. But he listens to the podcast. And oh, cool. uh, he said he tells people about the podcast. And he had a lot of very specific complimentary things to say about what we're doing, uh, oh, about cool. the format, the three-person for, for, uh, format, and uh, some of the risks that he feels like we take on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And so I wanted to give a shout out to him and say thank you, Kyle, for thank for you. the encouragement because, you know, sometimes I mean, we, we sit here and talk and, you know, I look at the numbers and we, you know, we have... 30, 40, we've gotten close to 100 listeners on a couple of episodes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, these are very meager numbers as far as podcasts go. But, you know, it's, I realized a couple months ago that even for me at least, and, you know, life will change obviously for all of us as we age, but even if that was just the number in perpetuity, I would still want to do the podcast because I actually personally get something out of the conversations that we have. Mm, um, me too. And mm -hmm. it, it's, I, it has value to me. So I hope it ends up having value to obviously more listeners. But for me, I just I appreciate the conversation with you guys. So. Mm, mm. I feel the same. Thank I you. feel the same. So we don't need any listeners. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to us. We that's enjoy right, listening right, yeah. to each other. <laughs> that's right. We're enough. Well, this is was you know Jerry Seinfeld's thing with like as long as it was funny to him and um, right uh, Larry David, then that was enough right. for them. So this is right. right, so right, right, right. I call. feel like he's lying mm -hmm. because he's a billionaire. But you know whatever, that's okay. <laughs> right. So we are talking about we're talking about romance with a lowercase r uh, this week mm -hmm. and certainly next week. I had advocated for talking about the Declaration of Independence, but that did not go over well with my <laughs> co-hosts. Neither one of them were very bullish on the idea. So, um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate I I liked this. Uh, this is Seth's suggestion, which we we kind of both enthusiastically joined. I like the idea because it does kind of stick with our mandate of taking everything seriously, right? So being mm -hmm. able to have serious, considered mm -hmm. conversations about things that might otherwise be disdained or ignored um, in the academy or amongst intellectuals. So, And, so, and, so, oh, and, and before you, you, we, we jump into this, I just want to kind of remind listeners of where we've been so far this year. And I, I actually want to remind mm -hmm. myself uh, I think that's useful. So we've talked, I believe we started the year talking about 
pornography. Is that correct? And then we then we went on uh-huh. to whiteness or mm-hmm. white misanthropy. And then mm-hmm. we talked about Michael Jackson. Well, yeah. Right. And then we talked about what, if any good, has been generated by the presidency of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that right, fellas? Yeah. And we also had an interlude talking about the candidates. Um, right. The presidential the, the early, candidates. <laughs> mm-hmm. The early interlude. But I think that, that covers it. And, and this is, and, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you doing that stuff. It's to remind people that we take multi. Uh, we take multiple podcasts to discuss an issue and come back mm. to it and ch- chew it over. So, so romance, Seth, do you want to, I mean, this is <laughs> sort of what were you thinking about in terms of the topic and questions, comments, frustrations? I think what I was thinking about was wondering in what ways romance shows up in my life because mm. I'm not in a romantic relationship right now. I had one just end last year, um, a very, very good one. Mm-hmm. And I, at the moment that we were mulling over what we do next, it came to me that that's something that people rarely talk about. We talk about sex uh-huh. relatively often. We certainly talk about friendships. We talk about professional relationships and how to nurture them, exploit them, extend them, mm-hmm. deepen mm-hmm. them. We rarely talk about, at least in, 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 from what I gather with my ear to the ground of the culture, we rarely talk about romance. And romance, I, I did a little bit of Googling. Mm-hmm. I like what the site, uh, the Good Men Project had to say about it. The way they mm-hmm. described it is that romance is a way of looking at your partner and it's a way of savoring their presence in your life. And I like that idea, the idea of savoring something as opposed to devouring it, as mm-hmm. opposed to just tasting it. But actually, like, so, so save, to savor something is a really kind of unique activity, right? Because it's, mm. it's letting that thing linger on your tongue. And there's a, sign of, there's a kind of curiosity to the action, right? Because you're letting the thing linger and you're saying to yourself, sort of like when you take a, a, a mouthful of good wine, you think, okay, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. What, are, what am I tasting? What, what all is in this complex of notes, of flavors, of hints? And I thought about how I don't think I have a lot of romance in my life. I think mm. the, I think I have some intellectual romance in that, for example, this conversation that we all have regularly. Mm-hmm. I think I think I savor the things that come out of the the conversation. I think I savor what you both have to say and and how we think through things together. Mm-hmm. But in terms of romance being present in the rest of my life. There's not a lot of. There are some friendships. I there are some friendships. Certainly, I I I, I get to savor certain people through and mm-hmm. with. But I feel actually now that I brought up a tough topic, I feel like oh. there's this kind of hole in my life. Like I'm missing a way to mm-hmm. express romance in in the way that I think I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Stephen. <laughs> I like I caught it and catch the ball. 
So I'm, I'm torn between two ways of thinking about this. And one is I want to just, I think I'll just follow up with what you said. And I was thinking about the way, other ways of savoring things in your life that, you know, that could be romantic, I guess. And so I was thinking about your example around food. And I said, well, you do eat, everyone eats. And so I was thinking about, well, Seth, do you have a relationship with a certain kind of cuisine that you savor or a certain wine, to use your example? Or mm. are there other ways for you to um, to have a, a romance even with nature, you know, being outside and looking at, mm. you know, trees and grass. And, you know, I feel like I'm constantly in a state of romance if we're going to use that definition in terms of savoring mm. because I have such great friends. I have abundance in the way in which I, um, I live my life in terms of what people would call a career. Um, mm. I read a lot. I think a lot. Um, I try to make delicious food, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. The thing I had was when you said romance earlier, when you suggested the topic, I was like, okay, let's just do a run through of my romantic life in terms of a partner. And the mm-hmm. one thing I came up with was I don't have any imagination at the moment for a partner because mm-hmm. because of the, the equations and the recipes before for partners, I don't have a need for that anymore. Mm-hmm. Whether it was mm-hmm. someone to complete me whether it was someone to bring something into my life that I didn't have or um, some part of me that I'm lacking. So I need mm. this guy here to bring this part of him into my mm. life, whether it was physical, mm. emotional, intellectual, and so forth. I'm like, I don't yearn for those things. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, okay, well, Stephen, let's do some imagination work. And then I fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, maybe later. <laughs> so I've been I've been trying to chew through uh, what you introduced, sort of the idea of savoring, and then Stephen, obviously, the add-on as far as the imagination to mm-hmm. have an additional person in your life. I think I like savoring uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it, it is uh, a pretty evocative term for what happens in romance. I would say I probably would want to draw a distinction with the food because I think part of the romance is being able to be savored in return. Mm -hmm. And so there's an exchange of that experience Mm -hmm. that probably – I mean certainly you can savor food, but but it's not going to – Fill you, I would probably argue, and most of us in the same way, mm. um, that actually the experience of being savored by uh, someone else might. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was, and then the other piece of it is the body, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, we these. I mean, obviously, I. I mean, I. I spent the first part of the podcast, you know, saying that um, how much I get out of the podcast, but it doesn't attend to my body in the same way that mm-hmm. a romantic partner would and mm-hmm. doesn't take a kind of responsibility. And I mean responsibility not in the sense of a burden, but I mean the responsibility in the way that one might have a responsibility for a parent, a beloved parent or child, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the responsibility is something that adds to who we are rather than burdens who we are. Mm-hmm. And that there's, you know, that, a romantic partner has a responsibility for your bodily pleasure and for you to be able to enjoy being a body in a way that other more circumscribed intimate relationships don't have, right? So, I mean, Seth and I were very close and Stephen and I were, were becoming closer, but neither one of you have a responsibility for my own physical pleasure, right? Whereas mm-hmm. a romantic yeah, partner... Again, in that in that fulfilling way, a romantic partner 
has a responsibility to um, to bring a certain kind of embodied joy uh, mm-hmm. into your life. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about ideal relationships here, obviously, romantic relationships are also fraught with all kinds of, you know, very difficult things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, let me let me kick it back uh, to to both of you and say, I mean, I think Stephen kind of already began to answer this question, but we can have a variety of priorities, right? Given the, 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 you know, the length of time we're here on the planet and the number of choices that people like us, you know, sort of peripheral elites, what I, what I call peripheral elites, people with some leisure time and and some agency and the things that they can do, you can make different choices about where you want to put your imaginative energies, right? Steven, you were just saying like, you don't really have the space for, for the kind of stories that you were telling about your romantic relationships before. Do you feel, oh, oh, jump in, please. I just want to clarify that I was saying that I don't have an imagination around a particular kind of partner for my life. Oh, I misunderstood. I I understand. I may have been a bit muddled there, but no, just thinking that earlier today, I was Uh, thinking, so there were times in my life when I would say after a relationship, well, who's coming next? And they mm -hmm. would, more than 99.9% of the time match up to something that I was, um, some kind of energy I was wanting to experience. Mm, And I I haven't had that experience in a while and I haven't done much yearning for it. So that's what I mean. Um, mo- I, I get it. I misunderstood. I think you mm-hmm. were clear. I just misunderstood. So there's no like mold. You're like, you meaning like you're not predetermining, you're not, you know, right. deciding ahead of time what you need from, from someone. That, and also I feel like I do have agency here. So I feel like there's mm. a conjuring that I don't mm. take very light. I mean, I, t- I don't take it lightly that you start to imagine. Good word. To, good word. To, is a good word. To bring it into, um bring it into existence. And so I'm like, well, so what do I need to experience next? And yeah. maybe I just said it on the podcast and who knows, but it's funny <laughs> to think about, you know, cause before it was yeah. a lot of fear based, someone better love me because I can't do this work myself. Mm. Um, but I didn't have that language then. What I had was the Anla and the kind of self-helpy kind of thing. But once it really started to kick in, it wasn't, it was more than the notion. So, right. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, want to second that. I want to say that um, for a a long part, a long time in my life, and I'm sure I know why this is. And 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 I'll I'll say what I'm talking about, and then tell the why. For a long time in my life, I I felt like precisely that when a romantic uh, relationship ended, I was sort of on the kick of. Well, who's next? Like, who's going to like? Right, right. Who's going to love me in the way that I need to be loved? Which, by the way, reminds me of one of the things that was written in the New Yorker about Richard Pryor um, several years ago. I think the review, and I don't remember the name of the writer, but at least I remember the name of the piece. A Pryor love, and it's spelled like Richard Pryor's name. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, Richard Pryor was just a just a, a terror. Um, uh, with the women he was involved with um, romantically. And he Physically talked about, or emotionally or both? Or? both uh, well, f- the women from this from the piece, the women were kind of cagey about whether he was actually physically abusive, but I suspect he okay. was. But definitely, okay. definitely emotionally abusive. Okay. Um, there's one woman who was his wife for a long time, and she said at the end of the relationship, I would never live with him again. I'll, I'll say, he'll, like, he'll still be in my life, but I could never live with him again. Uh, he, and he said, and he may have said this about her, he said this about one of his wives. He said that she was something like, uh, she was a really good person, really genuinely 
um, loving woman. She said he said that he hoped at one point that she would love him hard enough, strong enough, so that he could love himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking that at some point in my life that kind of applied to me, but n- not so much now. And like Stephen, I don't feel like I need someone to fill a hole. No, but I, what I feel like, I f- what I feel very much is I want to share some stuff with someone. I want to like have someone to say, wow, look at this. L- look at what's happening here. So we can have those kinds of intimate conversations around whatever it is. And, and in a sort of reciprocal way you brought up, Travis, I'm interested in having someone show me stuff that I don't know, that I'm not yeah. seeing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because my world is big and it's, and it's, and it's demanding and I have a lot of things to do, but that are interesting to me, but there's a lot of the world I don't see, which mm-hmm. is actually one of the reasons why I'm talk- I've been talking to people about relationships and whatnot, as, as people do when they get together. And, I, and I've kind of come to the conclusion, and of course this may get thrown out next week, but <laughs> my conclusion now is that I really want to date someone outside of the art scene because the art scene can be rather incestuous anyway and rather mm. gossipy anyway. But I'm interested, really interested in seeing some part of the whole that I don't already see. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, you, your, the Richard Pryor analogy uh, reminded me of uh, uh, Marcel's neighbor in The Stranger, Samino <laughs> or whatever his character is. That he's got this dog that lo- that loves him, and he's very cruel to the dog. Mm. And you know, and the reading of that is, you know, he he hates the dog because the dog loves him, and he hates himself, Ooh. right? Mm. And so, so how you know how can you when you revile yourself or parts of yourself or you know kind of who you are how can you accept the love of another person mm-hmm. and how and how how can the, if you do not feel that kind of self love even that sounds very dangerously new agey to me mm-hmm. you know how can you accept or sanction someone else loving you. Of course, mm. you, of course, you mm-hmm. find that person's love contemptible because you find yourself to be contemptible. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the idea of of not finding someone in the art art scene mm-hmm. seems like a, a pretty rough circumscription for you to to draw because, mm. like, that's what you do all the time, man. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, that's <laughs> like, you know, that, like where, where are you going to, to, I, I love Stevens. Where, where are you going to conjure some other <laughs> partner from? Like that is the stuff. What else, how else are you going to cast that spell? Like that's, that's the stuff that you have right now. Mm-hmm. Call, call Elizabeth Warren. She's got a plan. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a plan. And I trust right. her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She probably would. She probably would. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, of course, that's the pragmatic notion that I've, you know, put aside because I'm looking at the ideal, right? I'm looking at the, so this guy who, and I'm, I'm going to try to remember his name. I want to say it's DeBotton. It's, um, oh, Elaine DeBotton. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, right. right. Well, fill who me in. Started, you guys both know who. <laughs> yeah, he started in a kind of, 
I want to say it was an Institute of Practical Philosophy or something like that. School of Life in, is okay. what it's called, yes. Okay, thank you. In mm-hmm. London. And he had, in some printed interview, talked about the woman that he wanted to meet and marry. And he had a very specific template. Like, you think, uh-huh. that, you think that my shit is, like, it's overly circumscribed. This guy said... She has to be the daughter of a medical doctor. She has to be like, <laughs> mm-hmm. went to some kind of school, I think, and be pursu- pursuing some sort of career. Because he had very specific markers for him of this person's life that would jibe well with his own personality and... and uh, Intellectual pursuits and stuff. Exactly. And it was something, and I, I, I remember th- being fascinated by this. I don't remember exactly what the reasoning was for the woman to being a do- the daughter of a, medic, a medical doctor, but it was something about having, the, having that kind of sort of intellectual, I don't know, capacity, I suppose, mm-hmm. in the home environment growing up. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe have maybe that teaches something about respect for the body or respect for life. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't remember what he said, but he found her. And he married her. Mm. So, you know, I don't know if they lived happily ever after, but uh, like he, he had some boxes to tick. He ticked them and he got married. So, so, so mm. I, am, I am reflexively suspicious of, of that kind <laughs> of, you know, sort of <laughs> the belief that, that our desires can be that transparent, or our needs can be that transparent to us. To ourselves. Yeah, to ourselves. I, right. I think we are, right. I think right. we are inherently opaque. Right. Uh, and, 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 mm. I th- you know, it reminds me of sort of the, uh, that, that Invictus poem, like, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punish- punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Like, oh, yeah. I will go out and yeah. I will. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, it is like the quintessentially, like sort of Western metaphysic applied mm-hmm. to romance. Like mm-hmm. this is, a, a, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably overreaching because arranged marriages obviously worked on, on this kind of idea that mm-hmm. you would, you would pair people by, by social uh, breeding. And mm-hmm. so that's probably getting a little carried away there, but the, uh, the, the, the idea that it, so this person goes out and he finds it. So he probably, I mean, one, he's, probably fairly well-known, famous. You guys knew who he was. Like, Mm -hmm. if you are that well-known and you have that kind of money, like, yeah, you have a selection of mates. Like, you can can just kind of filter through them until you mm-hmm. get to the right, you know, mm-hmm. the, the right combination set of characteristics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it, Travis. And, and then the other, <laughs> the much, the much, much harder, the much less, the theoretical version of it is that he conjured this person up and she came. Mm. Uh, yeah. Except we don't, I don't actually. We can't measure it. We can't, you know, mm. all of that. But but, but but what? So the reason why I say that is because I was thinking about my last partner, who there mm-hmm. were several templates before he showed up. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. like, oh, I kind of get it. So when he actually showed up in the outline of what I was looking for, and mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't say this person has to be this tall and this shade of brown and all of that. No, I was just that it was he was he was thoughtful, engaging, playful, very 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 um. Just like, yeah, this is the kind of person I want to get to know. Mm-hmm. And like three or four men into the relation, I mean, three or four men before him had fragments of it and mm-hmm. splotches of it. 
Mm-hmm. But then the fully embodied person showed up, and I went, "Oh, okay, okay, I get it now." Mm-hmm. And so, and it was someone mm-hmm. else that brought it to my attention. A, a friend of our, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Haru, brought it up, and said, and then it made. I was like, "Oh, this makes sense to me." Just one mm-hmm. way to look at it. That's all I'm saying. But, but did you it. also then conjure the disillusion of that relationship? Here's the thing. Mm. I don't think relationships are supposed to be forever. <laughs> mm. I think we had well, a, nothing is for, nothing, right, is, nothing forever, is forever. But 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 I don't I don't feel like it was a failure, and I don't feel like I feel like this is as far as it could go. Mm. And mm. and mind you, this is a decade afterwards, right? Because mm. of course you know it was a hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But even mm-hmm. then, both of us knew this is as far as it could go, and we're friends today. <laughs> do you know because mm-hmm. we did the work you know and, th- mm-hmm. and we're certain kinds of people so you know some people like i remember thinking that there were a number of relationships i've had with other gay men who they ended up being better friends than they could ever be partners <laughs> mm-hmm. but we tried it anyway you know either it was the sex or it was the relationship with the sex and then it was like no we're just friends Mm-hmm. Do you, okay, so I want to. We're coming up on time, but I want to close with. Uh, I maybe moved since we always. Uh, you both try to keep us grounded to very particular things. Uh, I'm going to close with a question, and then mm. maybe we can pick it up from there. Uh, do you uh, both think that you are difficult to be involved with romantically? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. Um, I want to hear wow. Seth's version. So so, I want to hear Seth's I, I, story. I'm very willing to answer that question for about myself as well. Cool. So. Wow. Uh, Way to put a brother on, a, on the spot. Man. <laughs> God, yo, yo, um, yo, rap, rap, rap. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, okay, so th- thanks very much for the conversation, uh, gentlemen, and, uh, and we'll pick it up next week. Okay, Perfect. sounds good. Sounds great.